Father, we have seen you move mountains. God, it's not just a concept. We've seen you move mountains in our lives. God, the battles we could not fight in our own strengths. God, the addictions, the struggles, the fears. God, that we couldn't fight in our own strength. God, we saw you come and move them. And you're the God who still moves today mountains. We believe that with all of our hearts, God. That you're the God who moves mountains. God, we believe that. So right now, we ask you, Father, to move mountains away from this city. God, to move strongholds out of this city. You are the God who created this world and created us as humans. The strongholds that are wrapped around this city, God, push them back one more time. Push them back, Father, off of our family members. Push them back off of our young ones. Push them back, Father, off of our neighbors. Push them back off of our co-workers. Push them back off of the visitors of this city. God, we pray for a breakthrough, Lord, of the strongholds, of every demonic stronghold that the cross of Jesus Christ and the authority that you've given the church, Father, that we would be able to walk through with the same authority that the early church had. God, we are jealous. We have a holy jealousy of what the early church had. We want to see that, Father, in our age, in our generation, that even our shadows will set people free. God, would you do that again? God, just as one time Billy Graham prayed the prayer, do that one more time. God, we pray that to do it again. Oh, Father, no stronghold has ability over your power and your authority. But you have said that Jesus Christ is seated above all strongholds and all authorities. And we are in Christ. So, Father, we ask that you do it again, that you do it again. We are your people, and God, how much we want to come home. But as Apostle Paul prayed, if we're going to stay here, let there be fruit. Let there be fruit. Let there be fruit for Christ. And let us be a force to be reckoned with, God. Holy Spirit, we are so dependent upon you in this hour. Come in this room. Come in our homes, come in our hearts, and have your way. For Jesus promised that you would come and abide with us forever. So, Father, we take our place in Christ and ask you to do what only you can do and move the mountains that only you can move. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus, and have your way in this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many of you were here this morning, but Pastor David Ham preached an incredible message. <clears throat> incredible message of really warning us of our time. And if... The enemy would be after anything in the Christian's life. It would be our time. It's the most valuable thing we have is our time. If you read the very beginning of the book of Exodus, the 
emperor of Egypt made the people of God more and more busy to try to cause them to lose their strength, their life, their ability to multiply. This is an attack of the enemy. It's to really cause us to be so busy. But how faithful God was, because even in that time, the people of God multiplied and multiplied. But the warning is still true. We need to be aware of our time. And he called us back to the feet of Jesus this morning. How many of you were here for that message this morning? He called us back to the feet of Jesus. Which as a Christian, we really have two strands in our life that interweave with each other. Just as a DNA strand inside of our human being has two strands that are very important so that there's no mutations within our body, so it is with our Christian DNA. The first strand is the altar, being at the feet of Jesus. Building an altar in our life is highly important and should be in our life daily. It's at the altar where we have communion with Jesus. It's at the altar where we have a consecration with Jesus, where he is sanctifying us and setting us apart. And it's at the altar where he gives us a commissioning. All of this happens at the altar. And as Christians, we have to have the altar in our life daily. Now, this is a teaching 3 p.m. service. And right now, I'm already off my notes. But you should write these things down. As a Christian, we've got to have an altar in our life. It's at the altar where we have a communion with Jesus. It's at the altar where we have a consecration, being set apart. And it's at the altar where he commissions us, commissioning us with stewardships. The second part of our DNA strand. A Christian without an altar is a powerless Christian. A Christian without a stewardship is a fruitless Christian. We got to have both in our life. They are a DNA strand that operates together. When we are in the secret place with Jesus, we enjoy that. But you know what he actually wants us to do from there? He puts something in our heart and we go out and we carry it out. Now, our stewardships have to do with things like Pastor David said today, his family. That's a stewardship that God has given us. Our job, that's a stewardship that God has given us. Stewardship just means manager. But ministry is also a stewardship. And today, that's the stewardship that I'm going to be speaking about is ministry. Now, Pastor David did say, yes, you need to spend time at the feet of Jesus, but at some point, you got to get back in the kitchen and cook. <laughs> but as long as you're at the feet of Jesus first, you're going to cook with a glorious song in your heart, and you're going to cook better. So today, what we're going to be speaking about is the heart of ministry. The heart of ministry. Now, please... Please have your Bible out because we're going to be reading through some scripture. This is a teaching session. And so I'm hoping that we teach out of the word of God. And so what I want you to do is see how the Bible teaches us how to operate daily and also teaches us on what God will do. So all I want to do today is I want to teach us about the heart of ministry. Now, the goal of this teaching is not to tell any person in this room what God is wanting with your life. But the goal of this teaching is to tell you what God is looking for in your heart so he can do whatever he wants to with your life. It's the heart of ministry, the heartbeat of ministry. You know, there's been some incredible Christians throughout the age. Hudson Taylor, Billy Graham, Jonathan Edwards, David Wilkerson, 
There's been some incredible Christians throughout the age that's done incredible things for the glory of God. But you know, the apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that God places each and every one of us within our generation, within our set of boundaries. In other words, God put them in their generation for a specific purpose, and he has put you in your generation for a specific purpose. He has put us in our generation for a specific purpose. So what is the heart of ministry? You know, it's always been God's desire to have a testimony of his glorious name in the earth. And throughout the Old Testament, we see about three different times where God is establishing his testimony in the earth. Now, in the Old Testament, what God did to establish his testimony is he had to establish a building. Now, the first building was just a tent. But then after that, there was a very glorious building called the Temple of Solomon. And then after that, we have the third temple. That was the Old Testament place where God's desire was that his testimony would be in the earth. But now in the New Testament age, God's desire is that his testimony would be in the earth through us. And that's what Jesus came to demonstrate. So what God did is he sent his son into the earth, into the body of a human, and we named him Jesus, which means Savior. What Jesus did is he was the very presence of God in the earth. He was the temple, walking around, no longer within a building, but now getting out of the building so he could touch humans. And what Jesus did is what we are actually called to do. He just came to do a few things, and you could write these three things down. He came to teach us the truth concerning the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus came to do, teach us truth concerning the kingdom of God. He also came to be a demonstration of the kingdom of God with power. He also came to serve humanity. Those are the three things that really the Son of God did within the body of Jesus. And the Bible tells us when the body of Jesus went back up to the heavens, he then had a miracle of imparting himself into humans. The same impartation where God came into the flesh is now taking place over millions upon millions of people today. That's why Jesus said, when I'm gone, you will do greater things than I have ever done. The impartation of God coming into the flesh is now multiplied by the millions. And we are called to actually be doing the same three things that Jesus did. Teach people concerning the kingdom of God, to be a demonstration of the power of God, and also serve people. So today, whenever I'm speaking about the heart of ministry, that's what I'm referring to, is really those three things, or what we call it at Summit, living for the benefit of others. My life is so that now you can know more of God, so that you can now or, uh, experience the power of God, and so that I can now serve you. So that is our call. So what is the heart of it all? What is it that God is looking for within all of our hearts so that we can be the demonstration of Jesus Christ within our generation? What is God looking for? Let's open up our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And as I said, not all of these verses are going to be on the screen. Some of them will be. 
my goal is that we get to read these together, okay? So 1 Chronicles chapter 29, please. What we're going to look at is the second building of the temple. Now, this is where King David is about to be passing the torch or the kingdom to his son Solomon. And now God has told, has told David that he's not going to be able to build the temple, but his son Solomon will. So what David is about to do is he's about to give the next generation a charge of ministry, of being a part of establishing the testimony of God in the earth. And that's where we're going to pick up is 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. David has assembled the entire nation of Israel together. And in verse 1, this is what the Bible has recorded. King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom God alone has chosen, he is still very young and very inexperienced. But the work is great. For this temple is not for man, but it is for the Lord. So here we see the call to ministry. There's three things that David has just charged or commissioned the entire nation of Israel, the people of God, concerning the testimony of the Lord and the establishing of his testimony for this next generation. David does tell them, number one, the work that is needed to be done is great. It is big. It is huge. The needs are huge. And we know that with man, all of these things are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Some of the needs that are out there, that our city faces today, suicide. You know, I've heard one out of every five youth in New York City has tried to commit suicide. There's abortion. There's divorce. There's sickness and homelessness. There's poverty. There's refugees. There's confusion with sexual identities. There's teen dropouts. The list could go on and on. The hugest need within our generation. But God's desire and his cry is still the same. I want my testimony to be built within this generation. I want my presence to be known throughout this generation so that the entire world will know that I am God, that I should be praised, that I am compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, that I am loving that I am kind. God is wanting this generation to know the true God. Amen. So David does tell the people and Solomon, this work is great. The second thing that David tells the people of God is that you may seem young and inexperienced. Now, I know, I know not every person in this room can say I'm one of those, but this still applies to all of us. We might seem inexperienced. We might seem like a youth. 
The third thing that David is charging the people, that this work, though, is not the work for man. This is the work for the Lord. Now, guys, what I have just established here is the foundations for the charge of being a part of establishing the testimony of God for our generation. Now, look, guys, if you are a born-again Christian in this room, this is a call for you and me is to be a part of this work. Yes, this work is huge. When I list off all of the things that our generation is facing, yes, we come in line with David and saying, this is huge. And also when we hear these needs and we see our youth or our inexperience, we come in line with saying, I don't know what to do. But then there's also still a charge that tells us, and it's got to be louder than anything else, this work that is needed to be done is not our work, it's actually the Lord's. Listen, there is a promise in the book of Deuteronomies and Numbers where God tells Moses an incredible promise. And please, parents and everybody needs to hear this promise. God tells Moses, the young ones who you said would not survive, I will bring them into the promised land. Guys, there is still a promise to bring the young ones who the world today is saying will not survive. There is a promise that God is saying, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to bring them in. And you know what Moses does before he leaves? He reminds the tribes of Israel that this is the work of God to be involved with it. To be involved with it. Don't settle in this season, but to actually be involved in the work. And Moses actually put a strong warning out there and said, guys, if you settle in this season, you will actually discourage the hearts of the children of Israel. And God will send a whole generation back into the wilderness. Look, guys, this is what our commission is. To be a part of seeing the testimony of the Lord established in the, in the world. But this work is the Lord's, not man's. Now, I want to draw our attention to verse number five. After David, King David, had established this charge for a generation to be involved with the testimony of the Lord, King David tells us what the heart is of ministry that gives the Lord the open door to do whatever he wants with our life. Verse five, second part. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Who then is willing? Who then is willing? There's actually one thing that the Lord's looking for within our heart. It's a willing heart. It's just a willing heart. Could it be that simple? Is that all the Lord is looking for? Is a willing heart? Well, what David does, let's go back and look at it in verse 2 and 3 of this exact portion of Scripture. Is David leads by example, and he shows them. Now look, guys, you got to get this in your mind and in, in our picture. King David here is getting old, and he's getting ready to pass the baton on to the next generation. King David has already done enough for the Lord. 
He has already fought Goliath. He has already proven himself in the wilderness. He's already came in and and, and conquered the enemies of God. He's already established the kingdom in Jerusalem and brought the Ark of the Covenant back in to Jerusalem. David has already done enough for the Lord. But look, David had something established from the time he was a young boy in the fields. He has always had just a willing heart. And I want you to see this in verse Two through three, David charges the people, but then he says, now today my heart is still willing to be involved in the work. Look at what he says. Now with all of my ability, I have provided for the house of my God, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the wood, the stones, the alabaster in abundance. All of these things was what was required to build this marvelous temple so God's testimony could be in the earth. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure that I have of gold and silver, this was his own personal belongings, after all David has done for the Lord, and after David assembling the entire nation of Israel and charging them to be involved in the work of the Lord, David takes his place and says, now, with all that I have of this day, I'm going to give it to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple, namely 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver. Now I'll help you with that math. That's about $6.3 billion in gold that David gave that day. From the time he was a little boy, he had one thing in his heart that God found. I found one man that's just willing From the time he was in the wilderness, running from King Saul, God found one thing in his heart so that God could trust him with all the power of heaven. God found a man that was just willing. When he came into the palace, he didn't just sit back in complacency, but God found one thing in his heart, and that was he was willing. And now here he was at the end of his life, make an impact into the next generation. You know, those that are willing for their generation, you will actually make an impact in the next generation. And that's what we see here with King David. He was leading by example. You know, when I think of King David, I think of some of our leaders that we've had in our lives. I think of two. The first one I think of is Pastor David Wilkerson of a man that was just willing. You know, he was in his house one day, and all of a sudden, he felt something from the Lord, and he threw a TV away. He was just willing. He heard a report about some boys up in New York City, and Pastor David knew nothing about youth and gangs. But God found a man that was just willing, and he went. God found a man that was willing, and he used his life to start the world's largest drug rehabilitation program. One day, walking the streets of New York, God found that willing heart still in Pastor David Wilkerson's heart and said, this man is still willing. David, plant a church. You know, he didn't have the the funds to plant the church. And I heard a story from his son, Pastor Gary Wilkerson, that even in the end years of his life, he had... Nothing. I heard Gary Wilkerson say the car he was driving was a leased car 
and that the furniture he had in his house, he gave away to some people down the street who had nothing. He was still willing. Now, this is the question I want to ask everybody, and if you're taking notes, I please, I want to ask you to put these words down. Am I all in? Those are words, not letters. Am I all in? This is the question. If I'm all in, where do I begin? And that's what I want to look at. But before we do that, I also want to talk about one more leader. Pastor Carter Conlon. You know, he's a man that is getting close to his old years. I came on the day he was gone. I knew he was going to be gone. He's a man who's getting old. And he is a man that we so dearly love. And guys, I love him so much more. Not, not more than you are, but I'm just saying, I love him so much more because he has given his wife to us. Now, I can't think of a more precious possession you could have as a wife. But because he is so passionate about the testimony of the Lord of the next generation, God found a willing man. And half of the time, his wife is with us at Summit, ministering to a generation that is from every continent about the testimony of the Lord and helping establish the testimony of the Lord. Guys, all I'm trying to say is just as King David stood in front of the entire nation of Israel and put a charge upon the people of God, but he did not put a charge on them that he himself was not willing to still do. Our leaders are doing the same today. So if we are going to be a part of this church where we so lovingly receive the new covenant promises that fight off our giants, will we be willing to be involved with fighting off other people's giants? This is the charge I have for us today. Now, look, guys, it's the heart of ministry. And all I'm trying to say today is the heartbeat of ministry is simply a willing heart. Are you just willing? Are you willing to say, it's yours, Lord? My life is yours, Lord. Who then is willing to give himself to the Lord? If you can, put a marker here, and let's go look at the very first tabernacle that the Lord built in the earth. Now, this was the time with Moses, where God was commissioning Moses to commission the people of God to be a part of establishing the testimony of the Lord in the earth. Are you guys with me? If you are, say amen. amen. If you're not, say hey man. They sound alike, so I, I feel good. Some of y'all didn't get it. That's okay. Exodus chapter 35. Okay, let's go there with our Bibles. Please, Exodus 35. I want us to read this together. Now, we have looked at the second time that the Lord established his testimony in the earth through King David and through his son, King Solomon. Now we're about to look at the first time where God had taken the people of God out of, uh, out of Egypt and into the promised land, and he's getting ready to build a temple. But at this point, what he builds is just a traveling tent. And we're going to pick up with Exodus chapter 35, verse 4. 
And this is the question that we're going to ask. If all it takes to be all in and to have a heart of ministry is a willing heart, hear this question. Where does a willing heart begin and what does a willing heart feel like? Please hear that question. Where does a willing heart begin and what does a willing heart feel like? And we're going to find this in the first establishing of the temple of God, the, the very testimony of God being established. Exodus 35, verse 4. Here we go. And Moses spoke to the entire congregation of Israel, all the people of God, and he said this. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, take from amongst you a contribution for the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, there's that word again, let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. So take from amongst you a contribution, Moses. Tell this to the people of God. We need a contribution. We need them to give of themselves for this building of my testimony, but you can only accept things from them if they come with a willing heart. Let them bring gold, silver, bronze, Scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, porpoise skin, acacia wood, the oil for the lighting, the spices for the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, the stones. What Moses is saying is God has just commissioned the people of God to be involved with this work. Tell them to bring a contribution to help establish my testimony and receive it from any one of them that have a willing heart. That was the commissioning. Now let's jump down to verse 20. We're doing Bible study today and we're going to discover these incredible truths that were concealed in the Old Testament. Verse 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence that day. And here we go. Where does a willing heart begin and what does it feel like? And everyone whose heart stirred them and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent and of the meeting of all of its service and for its holy garments. So where does a willing heart begin and what does it feel like, guys? Watch, please don't miss this. This is everything. What does it take to be all in? What does it take to be all in for the work of the Lord? It takes a willing heart. What does a willing heart feel like? A stirring. It's a stirring. You know what happened to Pastor David Wilkerson that day he was sitting in his house? The Lord knew he had a willing heart, but you know what he did? He stirred his heart. God knew he had a willing heart whenever he put the screen of these boys in turmoil in New York City so you know what the Lord did? He stirred his heart. You know what he did when he was walking the streets of New York City and he wanted to plant a church here so that his testimony could be established? He knew he had a willing heart. He stirred his heart. So what does it feel like when we have a willing heart? What does the actual thing that we experience in our heart that is the Lord causing us to be involved with something and giving ourselves to something? It's a stirring in our heart. 
when I read this, I think of a few stories, guys. Listen to some of these stories. One day there's this boy who is raised in Africa who has never been to schooling. His family is not saved. And all of a sudden he hears the gospel and he becomes saved. And he begins to journey his life with Jesus reading the scriptures. And all of a sudden he begins to have a stirring to go into some of these strict and hard Muslim areas to take the gospel message. It was just a stirring. And he began to go. For a couple of years, he did that. And all of a sudden, he found a newsletter that said Summit International School of Ministry. But I have no money. I've never left America or I've never left Africa. None of my family members have. But a stern began to happen. You know what he said is, God, I'm willing to go. And somehow he reached out and he got a scholarship and he came to Summit International School of Ministry. And while he was at Summit, he was getting trained up. Then he had a stern in his heart to come and do an internship here. At TSC, and he came here for a year. Some of you guys may know him, Peter Namoa. You know what happened with him? God found a man with a willing heart, and you know what God did? He stirred it. Are you all in? The question is if you're all in, and if you want to be all in, but what do I do? All you got to do is have a willing heart. And then you're spending your time with the Lord and in your life. And when that stirring happens, it takes a response. And that is exactly what we see here in the book of Exodus. Moses said, any person that has a willing heart, bring what you have so the Lord can establish his testimony. And guys, picture this. Everybody had to go home that day to their house. Families, youth, women, mothers, fathers, elderly. And they all had to make an individual decision. Well, I only have a little bit to offer. All I have is a little bit of skin and a little bit of of scarlet. What is this little bit with such a big need? And that's the question we have to answer ourselves. This morning, I heard Pastor David Ham say, That it is on our pastor's heart to meet and reach this community. Now that does not mean that Pastor Carter and Pastor David is going to walk around door to door. That is not the mission of the church. It never has been. The mission of the church is the church being in the church, hear me, in your place of influence. In your housing area. In your family. In your work. In your job. Sometimes we have to spend millions of dollars to do outreach, but really if the church has a willing heart and is able and willing to follow the stirring to speak to your coworkers and to speak to your neighbors, the spirit of the Lord will begin to establish his testimony. This is the mission of the church. In Exodus 35 The Bible says, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him began to bring the little bit that they had to the Lord. You don't have to read all this, but but watch. Verse 22, it says, all of them whose heart was moving them, both men and women, began bringing what they had. Verse 26 says, all the women whose heart was stirring them, whose heart was moving them, They were bringing a free will offering to the Lord. So here's the next question. 
What happens when people start to give to the Lord with a willing heart? What happens when somebody has a willing heart and they begin to sense the stern and they begin to bring as unto the Lord? I want us to see what happens in Scripture. Exodus 35, just go down a few verses. Verse 30. Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all craftsmanship to make all of the workings of gold and silver and bronze. Verse 34. He also has put in his heart the spirit to teach. Verse 35, the Lord has filled them with the skill to perform every work. Verse 1, and every skillful person in whom the Lord has put the skill of understanding to know how to perform all the work of the construction of the sanctuary, they went into performance just as the Lord had commanded. So what happens, guys, in our life whenever we have a willing heart and the Lord begins to stir us, even though the work is bigger than us, even though we are young or maybe inexperienced, what happens when we begin to move out? The Lord begins to supernaturally put abilities in our life. Guys, this is just how the Lord works. He puts supernatural abilities in our life. We have spiritual giftings. The word gifting just means grace. means you don't deserve it or earn it, but God gives us grace so that we will in return give grace out. These are giftings, as giftings like evangelism, which is the ability to share the gospel message. It's pastoring, which is the ability to shepherd people. It's hospitality, making people feel warm and comfortable in the house of the Lord. There's so many different spiritual giftings, guys. When we see the need around us and we want to have a heart that is willing, God will not waste that willing heart. And he will begin to stir it. He will stir it maybe to pray. He will stir it for maybe your community, maybe for your neighborhood, maybe to be involved here in the house of the Lord. When I think about this, I think of a man named Adam Fields. Some of you may not know him, but he was a boy from Ireland the first international student to come to Summit International School of Ministry. He was a boy who got saved, one of the first generation Christians raised up in his home. And all of a sudden, one day, he had a willing heart and God stirred his heart to go out to the streets and start preaching to a Catholicism-type nation. You know what he did? He went out to the streets preaching and he was preaching the gospel for years. All of a sudden, the Lord stirred his heart to come to Summit. He came to Summit got this great, great training. And from that day forward, all he has done is he has traveled the world and he has preached the gospel message no matter where he is at. I've heard pastors say, if any of my family members are about to die and if there's one person I can have in that room, if I know they're not saved, it is Adam Fields. He has been filled with the spirit of God for evangelism. Two weeks ago, he was down in Florida uh, preaching on Pensacola uh, Beach to 20,000 people. In a couple months, he's coming up to Baltimore where there's been so much hardship there and he's putting on a, a, an evangelistic revival, preaching, and he's calling the churches together for evangelism. This is just a white boy from Ireland who goes into some of the hardest places of America and he has been filled with a spiritual gifting. What is the heart of ministry? It's just a willing heart. If you have a willing heart, God is not going to put that willing heart to waste. But he's going to begin to stir it. And guys and girls, some of you have felt that stirring. 
Some of you have felt that stirring recently. Exodus 36, verse 3. We're about to bring this to a close. Exodus 36, verse 3. What I want us to see is this. What happens when the people of God begins to live with a willing heart to follow the stirring of God? And they begin to step out. And as the Lord begins to fill his people with the spiritual giftings to serve, to teach, what happens? Exodus 36, verse 3. When they received all the contributions which the sons of Israel, the people of God, have brought to perform the work in the, cons- in the construction of the sanctuary, they were continuing to, to bring these free will offerings every morning. And all the skillful men who were performing all of the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work which he was performing. And they said to Moses, hear this, the people are bringing too much, and they have brought enough for the construction work for the Lord. So Moses issued a command proclaiming to stop bringing all of your contributions. Let no one else bring any more. So the people that day were restrained from bringing anything else for the construction of the Lord. So what happens when the people of God, with a willing heart, begin to follow the stirring? There is more than enough for the Lord to do what he wants to do in our city. Do we we capture that? Now, guys, look, this is not a charge to just one or two. This is a charge to the church. It's just a willing heart. If we have a willing heart, the Lord will stir us. Then he's he's going to give us the giftings that we need. Any stirring that the Lord give us, he's going to give us the resources to fulfill it. And then all of a sudden, you see the entire people of God having everything that we need to to proclaim and to see the testimony of God to be established within our community and our city. So what is the end result of this? It is at the very end of Exodus 40. The temple has now been established The testimony of God is ready to come into the midst of the people of God. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, the end result of a people with a willing heart, willing to follow the stirring. The end result, Exodus 40, verse 34, then the cloud, the glory of God covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so that Moses was not even able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. So what is the end result of the people of God living with a willing heart following the stirring? The glory of God shows up so that no flesh could even dare boast. Guys, this is the steps, the charge, the call to the church It is to sit at the feet of Christ. It is to allow him to have a communion and a fellowship with us, to set us apart, to cause us to not look at the world, to be, as Peter says, aliens in the midst of this world where we don't necessarily fit in, but we're reflecting this glory of God. And we come out of this place with a stewardship, with a stirring in our heart, with the giftings of God. And we begin to now speak to people or minister to people or serve people or help or give to needs. 
And then the glory of the Lord comes and fills this place. Guys, we are in this place today just because of one man who had a willing heart. What if there was 2,000 people in here with a willing heart? Now, guys, it doesn't mean there's going to be a stirring tomorrow. When I got saved, I was spending two years every morning in the church, and all I wanted to do is be with Christ. But all of a sudden, one day, I felt the stirring to leave everything I knew, me and my wife, and come off the summit. But I was willing. We came off the summit not knowing what in the world would be involved in our life. And now all of a sudden, a drug addict, person who's been through a divorce, who's been through foreclosure and repossessions, a person who had a messed up life, is now being able to teach the generations about God and seeing the testimony of God established in this generation. Now look, that is for the glory of God for this moment, guys. All I want you to see is the heart of ministry is just a willing heart. Don't go there, but I'm going to close this thing by saying why David had a willing heart. Okay, please, you can write this down if you were taking notes, but 1 Chronicles chapter 28, 20. David closes off this time of commissioning the people of God with being involved in the testimony. And he closes it off by saying these words. David said to Solomon, my son, be strong and courageous in this work. Do not fear, do not be dismayed in this work, my son. For my God is with you. Why was David all in? Why did he have a willing heart? Because of this next verse. My God will not fail you. Nor will he forsake you until the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Look, guys. I believe in this room there's many of us with a willing heart. And I want you to stay on that journey. Stay on that journey with a willing heart. You know, a servant doesn't care what he's treated like because he's a servant. A person with a willing heart can remain time because he's just willing. And guys, all I want us to know is that when the stirring happens, even if there's fear, even if we feel like we're so not prepared for this work, we got to follow the stirring. God has a desire for his testimony to be in our generation. These needs of abortion, of drug and alcoholism, at-risk children, Christ-centered parenting, disabilities for the divorce rate that's going across our land, for the educational issues, the elderly ministry, the financial stewardships, the sicknesses, the homelessness, the inner city ministries, the Jewish restorations, the refugees, the poverty, the hunger, the sexual and gender issues, the suicide issues, the teen dropout rates. There is a need. And God is looking for a willing heart. Why is the Lord looking for a willing heart? Watch this, guys. The Lord never accepts a sacrifice unless it's willing. Guys, in the Old Testament, on the altar of the Lord, they were commissioned to put four horns around each corner of the brazen altar where the sacrifice was laid. Those horns were meant so that when they put the oxen on the altar, they would take rope and they would tie it around the ox. 
And what the priests would do is they would tighten that rope and tighten that rope and tighten that rope. And that oxen would kick and, and, and wiggle because he wasn't willing to be a sacrifice and he wanted to jump off. But they had to make it tighter and tighter until finally the ox would give up and said, I'm now yours. At that moment, they were able to take a sacrifice before the Lord because the Lord was not going to take a sacrifice unless it was willing to sacrifice itself. Jesus had to wrestle with the same issue in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, I don't want to die for these people. I mean, sort of, kind of. That's what he was saying. He's saying, God, if there's another way, let it be done. There was a rope being tightening until he finally said, I'm now a sacrifice for you to do with whatever you want. And guys, there's a Bible verse that's about to pop up on the screen. Paul says in Romans 12, 1, Brethren, I beg you by the mercies of the living God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. What is that? I'm alive, but I'm a sacrifice? Yes. That's what God is looking for. He's just looking for a willing heart. Are you willing? Are you willing? And guys, all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Brother Greg or, or, or the piano player if he'll just play the piano for a few moments and then we're going to come and sing a song. David said, who's willing this day? Give yourself to the Lord. This church has a lot of things happening that's about to be happening for this community. But guys, the Lord is looking for willing hearts. For willing hearts. And let us just take a few moments to spend time with God without words to sing so that we could think upon the Holy Spirit at this moment of what he wants to do with our life. And then we're going to sing a few songs but guys, this is just a time to become a living sacrifice. God, I don't have the strength to always present myself as a living sacrifice, God, but I'm willing. I'm willing. That's all I can offer you today, God. I have a willing heart. God, I see the, the need is great. I see the need is great. God, this work is yours, not mine. God, it is your desire for us to be involved in this work, God. And God, I know that there's people in this room that are willing, God. We are willing. We lay ourselves out upon the altar, God. And we say, God, use our life however you will. God, if we have forsaken that stirring, God, we ask for forgiveness. And God, we move forward. And God, we say, God, stir our hearts again. Stir our hearts again in prayer. But God, if it starts anywhere, let us just start back in prayer again. Give us a voice of prayer again, God. 
for our families and our communities, God. Give us a voice of prayer. God, we're willing, God, to lay down our time to pray, to pray for our families. Oh, Spirit of God, stir our hearts again, God. We're willing, God, to do whatever it is in your heart. Oh, God, you want your testimony established in our generation. You want it, God. Oh, God, establish your testimony again, God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Father, right now, I'm just reminded of a woman that is recorded in Holy Scripture that only had two pennies to offer to the house of the Lord, to the testimony of the Lord. And God, that day, you received it. Lord, the little bit that, the, that was there to offer, you received it. And you said that this is more of a contribution than what anyone else is offering. And Father, right now, you are the God who searches hearts and you know hearts. God, you know if we don't know what the next step is. You know, God, if we don't know how to do it. But God, we're following your stirring right now. And we're believing that you are the God who is desiring, desiring God to move through our lives so that there can be a reflection of your son in the earth, God. We're believing that truth, God. And Lord, if all we have is two pennies, two mites, two ounces of strength right now, God, we just come to say, God, we're giving you who we are. Do with it whatever you would have done for your namesake, for your glory. And God, right now, I just want to pray, God, the word that is coming to my heart is worry. God, I want to pray against those that even though they're standing, there's still a worry that is trying to override this willingness. Father, you said to cast all of our worry upon you, that you will never let the righteous fall. That is your word. And you said, God, if we hope in you, God, we will never regret it. God, we're standing up right now, and we don't care if we fall. God, we just want to stand before your throne of saying we believe that you are God and that you are going to do something through our life. That is the only testimony we want to have at this moment, God, is we believe that you're wanting to do whatever it is that you're wanting to do through our lives, God. We just want that testimony of faith. So, God, we throw away all worry, all anxiety, all inexperience, all youth, we throw it away and we fix our eyes on you. We're not going to fix our eyes on the past. We're not going to fix our eyes on our abilities. We're fixing our eyes on Christ. Jesus, right now, we just want to now honor you. God, we love you and we honor you. Oh God, everything that we have is yours anyways, God. Do with it whatever you want to do. Oh God, it's all yours. So God, do whatever you want to do. But the only thing I'm going to ask, God, is that you save all of our family members. And that you save the people that we've been praying for. God, we're asking that you would move from heaven to establish your testimony. And strip some of our family members and our co-workers, and our neighbors out of the kingdom of darkness. Pull them out of these places, God, today. We're asking, God, that you would set heaven, God, the focus on heaven, God, upon these places and these people, God, to establish your testimony. Oh, God, we believe you. And we have a strength. 
to answer this call today, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the strength. Oh, God, thank you for the strength to be a sacrifice. Thank you for the joy to give up of our old life and all of our cares. Thank you, God, that that is ours today. We're going forward. We're going forward, God. Yes, God, we're going forward. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for that. Amen.